Welcome to the Basketball Index Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor, and today we are talking about free agency. What we're going to do is we're going to go through the top 20 contracts that have been signed as of July 5th. There still are some free agents out there, but most of the players have been signed by now. And we're going to go through the top 20 contracts in terms of uh, value per year. There is like there is the overall deal. We are going to talk about years, but we're going to sort it by how much players get paid per year. And I am going to give a letter grade that kind of sums up how I feel about the deal for the team. Because if you're the agent or the player, obviously you want as much money as possible. So that would make sense. But we're going to talk about it from the team perspective. I'm going to fill you in a little bit on what the player is, the team they were on, the team they went to, the deal. And yeah, we're just going to go through the top 20. We're going to hit most of the big names here. And then we might touch on a few guys outside of this range at the very end if we have time. But let's start moving through the top 20 deals of free agency giving out letter grade. So we're going to start with Fred Van Vliet at one. He's a point guard. He was on Toronto. He's been on Toronto for years. He is now on Houston. Signs a huge, massive three-year deal, $128 million total. And that's going to come out to a shade under $43 million a year. So contracts, it's hard because contracts are always changing. The size of them are always changing. When I followed the NBA in like 2010, I think like a max out deal was around 20 million. Now it's much, much higher than that. But Fred is 29 years old. He is a good point guard. He's a two-way player. He's a really good three-point shooter. And I'm trying to give you a ballpark on like what it is. Maybe just like really quick for how I view contracts right now. Like you can get paid in the 50s for a million per year, but not that many players do. So basically like the way I'm going to say it is if you're $40 million and above, that would, for me would be like, I would like all NBA performance that you're not going to get that on all those contracts. Right. But that for me is what you're looking value wise. And then $30 million and above you're hoping to get all-star value and it doesn't like you don't have to make an all-star team to give all-star value because one of those things there's only so many slots there's a couple guys for for all nba where it's the same thing where it's like oh this player's like right around that tier so you don't actually have to make the team to you know be worth that value but it helps it's just an easy indicator so 40 million and above all nba 30 million and above you're hoping for all-star level performance or you're projecting that player is going to hopefully become an all-star above 20 million those are just like your high-end role players your your really solid starters guys that start on a team that you're hoping is like going to go deep into the playoffs so and then after that 10 million and above is like those are those are what veterans make those are what veterans that are role players that are productive on teams make and then anything below 10 million a year now at this point like it doesn't really matter if you're paying a player like six or seven or eight million dollars and you miss on that contract it's not a big deal because it's not that much of the cap so again Recapping, 40 million and above, you're looking for all NBA production. 30 million and above, all-star, 20 million, really like a, a good starter or like a really high-end role player. And then anything above 10 million, you're looking for, you know, solid NBA veterans that have been in the league that are productive when they play. They're probably not great at everything, but they're probably pretty darn good at like two or three things. And then anything below $10 million, any value you're really getting on those players is great it's fantastic so that's kind of the scale we're working with and that scale will change in a few years when the cap changes 
like I said, that this scale wouldn't make any sense 10 years ago. But for right now, that's just like really vaguely. And it's not perfect, but that's a quick kind of way to sum that up. So we're going to talk about Fred Van Vliet. Uh, like I said, point guard heading over from Toronto to Houston on a huge three-year deal. He's going to be making just under $43 million a year. And is Fred Van Vliet an all-NBA player? No, he's not. Is he an all-star player? It's like, hmm. Yeah, I think he's like, whether or not, has he ever, hold on, I'm going to look that up. Has he ever made an all-star team? Whether he has or he hasn't, he's definitely in that kind of tier. I know there was a push for him to make it a few years ago. He did. He made one in 2022. So that's where I have him just like really vaguely. But, whew, man, this is really big money. He got paid, I mean, he's getting paid the most per year of any free agent. And this was a surprise for everyone. There was really big reactions. Again, he is a good player. He's a two-way player. He's actually really good at creating defensive turnovers. So he has value. He is a smaller player. I feel like sometimes when players or when analysts or fans or whatever see that a player is like below 6'4", they assume they can't be good at defense. Not true at all. But Fred has all the skills you would want. And that makes sense. Houston always seemed like kind of an analytics-focused team where it's like he defends pretty well. He shoots the three really well. He's a pretty good playmaker. Not amazing, but pretty good. He's limited. Like, he has limitations to his game, but he's a really good player. He's like an all-star level player when things are going well. This money's crazy. I guess the thing is, like, it's a three-year deal, so it's shorter because, like, you could have he could have gotten four years, but I thought he was going to make in the low 30s. And then it's like, who knows? Maybe there's like a, a, a crazy bidding war for him. And he's making like 35 million a year. He's making almost 43 million dollars a year. This is a crazy contract. I know Houston has a, a little bit of a unique situation where they have a lot of young players. So they had a ton of cap space, but that doesn't mean like you give like you don't just overpay a player like that. That's not I don't think that's the best way to think about that or a good way to go about it. So Fred gets the biggest deal on a per year uh, basis. I'm giving that grade a D because is Fred a good player? Yes. Is he an all-star player? Yes. But he's getting paid like one of the top players in the league, which I don't really understand. He is uh, a little over, he's about 29. So like he is still in the middle of his prime in this deal. Like, the problem is, is when you sign older players in there, like they're like 33, 34 to a four-year deal, it's like the first half of that deal is probably going to be pretty good, and the second half is going to be really rough. So at least with this deal, he's going to be, what, 29, 30, 31, where it's like you're getting like the prime years of him, but it just doesn't make sense at that price point. So I'm giving that a D. I don't love it. I understand if you're Houston, you got to improve, but let's move on because I feel like I've said everything I needed to say. Ever the reaction on Twitter was like they gave how much money to who? Uh, after that, Kyrie Irving, he uh, also got a three-year deal, which was a little bit surprising, at about forty-two million dollars a year. And Kyrie, you know, everyone knows about Kyrie. He was traded to Dallas this last year, and he resigns with Dallas. The trade at the time was sort of weird. People were surprised by it. Dallas. They don't have a lot of talent on their team. Obviously, they have Luka, who's amazing. Kyrie is a very good player. But with Kyrie, there's a lot of off the, I almost said off the field, off the court things that come with him. He is a, of kind of a volatile personality. And he also not super durable as a player. So he does miss a lot of time. He's 31. So three-year deal at 31. Not crazy in terms of like the age cliff. But making $42 million a year, it's one of those things where it's like, is Kyrie 
an all NBA talent? Yes, he just is. And there's there's always these guys in the league. They're very, very difficult to handle, but they're so talented, nothing really matters. Kyrie definitely falls into that. I think it's a good move by Dallas because it's only a three-year deal, which is great for them because I would have thought it would be longer than that because he is such a talented player, but he's had so many issues off the off the court. And I don't love the fit. I don't know why the Mavs keep being like, we should match up our our all NBA point guard with another point guard. <laughs> I don't I don't know why you would do that. But Kyrie is a phenomenal offensive player. I would not have signed him. I would have not. It's one of those things where it's is he really, really talented? Yes. Is he worth it in my mind? No. Is he too dangerous to be on your team for like there's not a lot of stability in the league. Like the NBA is not known for being a stable place. Why would you put the least stable player that is good in the league on your team? So I'm going to give that deal. This was a really tough one because he's very hard to separate his talent from his personality. This for me is like a C plus deal because you are still getting a very good player, like a very, very good player that is uh, at like the tail end of his prime. But, oh, man, oh, I just, I would not have pulled the trigger on this deal. I just would not have done that. So, Kyrie, I'm giving a, I'm giving a C-plus to that deal for the Mavs because you are getting a really high-end talent, but that's the, the one guy I would not pick is a high-end talent player. Uh, after that, Chris Middleton. So, Chris Middleton on the Bucks. He stays with the Bucks. He re-signs. Basically, he opted out of a $40 million player option. He's almost 32 years old, so he is kind of at the tail end of his prime. And he opts out of that deal, renegotiates. He gets three years, $102 million total. And the average for that is going to be $34 million a year. So he's actually getting paid less this year than he would have, but he gets more years. And Chris Middleton's been a really good player. He's been the third best player on a championship team. I know he's getting older. I know he missed a lot of time this year with injury. Not a great time to hit free agency, but he's still is a good player and if you're milwaukee you don't have a ton of options where it's like you have drew holiday you have Giannis. um brooke lopez was also a free agent they did resign him we'll get to him later but it's like you might as well keep this core together because this team is pretty darn good i know they lost in the first round but Giannis getting hurt really really hurt in that series but this team is still competitive they still have a chance like their playoff window is still open this next year might be the last year of that realistically happening but if you lose chris middleton you're just in a cap situation where you're just you're just you don't really have any options so they needed to re-sign him they did it seemed like he wanted to stay you know you re-up him for three more years he's going to be so it's going to be 32 33 34 which isn't awful you're not you're not getting age 37 year of him but this was his last big payday and you know it kind of works out for both teams so I'm going to give that a, uh, I think I'm not going to give that a B. I'm going to give that a B on my grade where it's like, I, I understand why everyone did what they did. And I don't really think there was a big chance of him leaving. And if you're the Bucks, it, it just makes sense. So recapping, I gave the Fred deal a D. Did not like the money, just way too much money. The Kyrie deal, a C plus where it's like, maybe it's not a C plus if I wouldn't have done it. Maybe it's just a C. Maybe it's a C because it's like you're keeping a really talented player, but it's not it's not the move I would make. Uh, after that, Chris Middleton, a B, you're just retaining a, a very good player who's probably starting to decline, 
probably going to miss some more time with injuries in the next few years, but still pretty good. Keep that core together. After that, Jeremy Grant. I think Jeremy Grant's the only player that got a five-year deal. So the you could only sign free agents to a four-year deal. If you're retaining your own player, you can have a five-year deal. So Jeremy Grant got huge money, five years, $160 million total, which is just a gigantic deal. And it is at $32 million a year. I saw a lot of people and they did not like this deal for Jeremy Grant because I, here's the thing. I'm just going to be straight with you. I don't think a lot of people watch Jeremy Grant play like straight up. He was on Denver in 2020. So you probably saw a lot of him there in the playoffs. And then he goes to the Pistons and then he goes to Portland and he's like a pretty darn good two way wing. There was a big three point shooting jump this year. He is a, he's a good player. He's a scorer. He is versatile. He can defend. He's not really a playmaker, but he's a good player. I think he could be the third best player on a championship team. So I think I have a lot higher of an opinion on him. He's 29. That means the five-year deal, nothing crazy age-wise. You're gonna get kind of you're gonna get the tail end of his prime, but he's a good player. I don't know if I agree with the five years. That that I think that's the because here's the thing: like if you make it a four-year deal and you knock $32 million off that deal. The The total money looks smaller. I think a lot of people react to that a lot of the time. But I like him. I like retaining him if you're the Blazers because you you desperately need talent. That's number one. He's a good player. If you're going to overpay someone in this free agent market or perceived overpay or give him extra years, whatever you might call it, this is a pretty good player to do it with. And, you know, Dame's been very vocal. He wants veterans. He wants a better team. So you you basically had to bring back Jeremy Grant if you're Portland. Like, unfortunately, in the NBA, there's a lot of, like, moves where it's like you, you're kind of forced into them. You're going to see as we go down this list, you kind of have to make moves because of the way the cap works, because of the way the league works. But I actually don't mind the average value at $32 million a year. That doesn't really bother me. Like, sure, when guys go to free agency, are they going to get a little bit more than if you, you know, sign a moon extension or whatever? Like, probably sometimes because you have everyone bidding against them. But $32 million a year, like, I'm not, I don't hate that value. The five years, though, that's a long time to be on that contract. And if they decide to trade Dame, you know, you're you're three years into a rebuild and you're still paying Jeremy Grant for two more years. Like, I don't know if he exactly fits what you're trying to do there. So the five years is a little much, but I'm going to give this deal a, this was another tough one for me where it was like, where do I feel like, because like just, just the, the value they're going to pay him next year. I have no issue with that. It's year five where it's like, is year five going to be an issue when he's 34? Is that going to be a great use of $32 million? I'm not sure. I'm going to give that deal a C plus where it's like, were the Blazers hands tied? Yes. Is he a good player? Yes. Just that fifth. If this was a four-year deal, I think I'd feel a little bit better about it. So those are the top four players rounding out the top five in terms of highest paid per year is Camp Johnson, small forward. He was traded to Brooklyn. He spent his early career with Phoenix. He's going to stay with Brooklyn. He signs a four-year deal $108 million, and that comes out to about $27 million a year. So this was more than I thought Cam Johnson, or how do I say this? This is more than what I thought Cam Johnson was probably worth, but I thought this was like the high end of what he could get, where it's like I could see it getting pushed up this high. So Cam Johnson is a good player. He's like a pretty solid wing that has been a stationary shooter who's a very good three-point shooter. The three-point shooting, I have no problem with. Like I, I like that part of his game. 
He's got some size. Forwards are very hot right now in the NBA. Everyone wants them. It's going to drive up their price. He's 27. He is just basically getting into his prime. And he's a good player. Is he a great player? I don't think so. Is he worth $27 million a year? I don't think so. But it's not It's not that you're not going to get value out of him. Because, again, really good three-point shooter. He's been a stationary shooter the last three years in our database here at Basketball Index, which is not the most – how would I phrase So we have different levels of shooter. So we have – if you're in the off-ball role, there's four roles. There's stationary shooter, self-explanatory. There's movement shooter, and there's off-screen shooter. Those are like the three levels. So, like, you go from – Hey, you just got to park yourself in at threes to, all right, you're moving around, you're, you know, you're, you're relocating, you're, you know, hitting some things on the move to then off screen, which is the highest level where it's like the team is just running plays for you to ping pong around where like you're going to shoot the ball on the move, drifting sideways with someone trying to contest around the screen, but you're so good at shooting that that's what you want a player. Like you're just like, we just need to get your shot attempts up. We just need to have you attempting more three pointers a game. We'll take the the tough quality and we'll try to scheme up better looks for you because you're so good at it. Those are the three levels. Cam Johnson's just been a stationary shooter where it's like, could he move more and become a movement shooter? I'm not saying he can't, but I'm just saying what has happened. And then defensively, three of the four years, he has been in the low activity role. So he's just been kind of standing there on defense, not actively participating. His D-LeBron is overall defensive impact isn't bad, but he was on Phoenix, who was a pretty good defensive team. He moves over to the Nets, who have some defensive talent as well. So that can help kind of mask a player. He was in the helper role this year, so he was being more active, rotating over from the corner. A guy that's a forward like him is going to often be in that role. And, you know, there is some size, but I'm a little curious about the defensive impact because if you're in that low activity role, that's normally where they hide players that are good at offense, where it's like you can hide your your star there because you don't want him to, to expend too much energy or a really good shooter that's not the greatest defender you put there because you're like, all right, I'm going to put him on like another stationary shooter, right? That's who they're going to be guarding. They're not going to do very much because the stationary shooter is not going to be that involved. So with Cam Johnson, it's like, Really good shooter. Yeah, the playmaking, not so much. The one-on-one talent, not so much. Like, there's not a lot of self-creation there. I just don't know if I believe in him making $27 million a year. He's 27 years old. I don't anticipate any more, like, booms in, in terms of his impact and skill. Not saying he can't get better, but, like, normally at this age, you are kind of who you are. And I'm just... It's a lot of money, four years at $27 million a year. Again, this contract doesn't kill you, right? It doesn't kill you as a team. You can still maneuver around him. You can still, you know, spend big money on other players. But I don't know. I'm just, just not really in love with this deal. So I think the overall grade here is C minus C. Like it's it's a lot of money to a guy who's just been a stationary shooter. Pretty good player on offense. Yeah. Oh, LeBron like him. It does, but I don't know what the the huge upside play is here for you. And if you're paying a player like getting close to thirty million dollars a year, like where it's like, oh, I would like some all like a shot at all star production in a season. I I don't know. Maybe this will be interesting. Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe Cam Johnson will be featured more in Brooklyn next year with the bigger contract being there for more than you know partial you know part of a season. But we'll see. Uh, let's move on. Let's move on to Kyle Kuzma. So Kuz is similar to Cam Johnson. 
They're both forwards. They're both a similar age. Kuz is a little bit older. Cam Johnson was 27. Kuz is 28. And he was on the Lakers early in his career. So more people know who he is because he was on the Lakers. And he was on Washington last season. Washington re-signs him. Similar deal, four years, $102 million, so it's going to come out to a little over $25 mil a year. I was actually doing some research on if I would rather have Cam Johnson or Kyle Kuzma, so it was easier to get Kuz because he was an unrestricted free agent. Cam Johnson was a restricted free agent, so Brooklyn always had the opportunity to match. But I don't know. It's kind of hard because Kuz is he's not the same shooter that Cam Johnson is. But he can do a little bit more. And I talked about this. He is uh, he's uh, a decent scorer. He's not a super efficient player. Where he has a little bit of one-on-one juice. Not a ton. And he's a little more dynamic in terms of passing. And just like being involved in the offense. You know, going to the rim. There's There's just a little more of a rounded out game with him. Defensively. He's been uh, a decent defensive wing. He's been a helper in ever i think every year of his career let me look real quick yeah every year of his career his offensive role has has moved around a little bit he's been a shot creator he's been a movement shooter and then last year in washington he was a secondary ball handler so it's one of those things where like the production on offense has been has been solid the the defense has been decent and he can score on some volume as uh, like a secondary score when he's on the court right like he can he can average 18 19 points a game on on a team it's not like he can just score easier than other players that's sort of a hard thing to describe but there are players that can just like score in the teens at an easier rate um sure you put Kyle Kuzma on a worse enough team he he can average 20 you can do that you're not gonna win a lot of games it's possible you can ratchet that volume up but you're not really getting anything um and this was a tough move for Washington where it's like they get rid of Beal, they get rid of Porzingis, and they have like some decisions to make here in the next few years of like who they're going to retain from their roster. This is easy. It's easy to get stuck in that perpetual rebuild mode. But Kuz, for me, this was another contract that was like a C, where it's like, okay, it's four years. It's a pretty big commitment, $25 million. He is like, he is a pretty good starter. Same with Cam Johnson, where it's like, they're both they're both solid NBA players, right? Easy going to have 10-year careers. Be interested to see if they have 15-year careers. But they're good. They can score some. Kuz's skill set's a little bit different, maybe a little bit more robust than Cam's. But Cam has the specialization. He's a much better three-point shooter. It kind of depends on how you want to build your roster. And I was trying to figure out, like, who I would have between these two. And I don't know if I have an answer. I did quite a bit of research comparing them, and I'm I'm still unsure. I think I would give this Kuz deal also a C because they are such similar players. Like, like you can prefer Cam Johnson or Kuz, and I'm not going to be that upset. I feel like this is, like, how I feel about so many things in, in the NBA where it's like these players are in the same tier, right? They just are. And they can both be productive. They could both be, they could have down years. I don't really know. But if you were to take a guy here versus like the person I pick, like I think I'm, I'm a little partial to Kuz because I saw him more on the Lakers. I just kind of like him. He's pretty funny too. You know, the outfits before the game, all those things. Um, but I would say that's just my personal bias of just sort of, of rooting for him. And I know that, but if someone takes Cam Johnson here, I'm not like, it's like, it's like $1.5 million difference per year. It's it's not really that big of a difference. But if you take him, I'm not going to be that mad. Like, I might argue with you for fun, but, like, not nothing nothing crazy, right? So 
Uh, Kuz, I'd probably give a C on that deal. After that, we got Draymond, uh, seventh here for four years, $100 million. That's easy math, $25 million a year. So the Draymond deal's hard. He dropped, he, he had a player option. He opted out for very similar money because he wanted to re-up and get more years. I heard a lot of people be like, oh, he's just not going to leave. Like, there's just no way he leaves. I was actually interested in the Kings or the Blazers trying to make a big push for him where it's like, if you could maybe, you know, up that from 25 to like 31, $32 million a year. I don't know. I'm not saying he would leave, but that would be interesting because over the course of that deal, that's like an extra 20 mil. That's pretty significant money. So Draymond at four years, here's the concern, right? He is 33 years old and he's just clearly not as good as he used to be. Like, is he still a good player? Yes. But like the 2015, 2016, 2017 Draymond, he is not. He, he just offensively, he is a huge negative. He is a bad player on offense. Yes, there's some passing. Defensively, still very good. Comfortably a top 10 player in the league defensively still. Offers that versatility in the playoffs that is so coveted. So absolutely still has value and is a good player. But there are restrictions on the way you build lineups when he's on your team because he's such a big negative on off. Like he can't even finish around the rim. Like he is not guarded a lot of the time. And, you know, the passing does help, but you need some like real superstars on offense for him to work. And obviously he goes back to Golden State and Steph's there and, you know, they have a great relationship. They play well off each other. That's all well and good. But the concern with this deal is not the average value. Like the $25 million a year next year, I, no problem playing Dream on that. Like I just, it's not an issue. But the issue is the four-year deal because he's 33 so you're going to get age 33 season. That's going to be good. Age 34, probably still pretty good. But then 35, 36, there's a lot of miles on those legs. He has played not only a lot over the last you know number of years he's been in the league, but he's played in so many deep playoff runs where like that's got to be like an extra like two seasons of wear and tear just because like the, your time off is shorter in the off season. So the four-year deal is tough for me with Draymond. It was really hard to grade because it's like, obviously you need to keep talent around Steph because you can still win championships, right? They won two seasons ago. It's still possible, but it's really, really hard. I mean, I know they've been kicking the can down the road. Obviously they get off the Jordan Poole contract, but this is tough. I think I'm going to go C plus on this deal because right now it's good because you need to retain him. He, he just has to stay on the team. Like if Golden State didn't have Draymond Green defensively, they would be like, you would just be such a significant drop where it would be very difficult for them to compete. Very difficult. So you have to resign him. But the four years, I think some of this deal, you see this with veterans, it's not really paying for that fourth year. It is paying extra money for the deal you had him on previously. That's a lot of the time when veterans especially stay with a team, even when they leave, like you are paying for that past performance. You are paying for a number of things outside the player's production. Like you are paying for the personality of Draymond Green, the podcasting, the suspensions, all those things like do have a value in him that creates more buzz, more attention for the team. So actually, maybe I might change my mind on this. Maybe this is a B minus deal. Maybe this is a B. It's, it's tough though. That fourth year... Draymond Green at age 36, I don't think is going to be that good. I do not think he <laughs> will be that productive of a player. So that's the C plus B minus. I'll, I'll split on that. 
After that, Brooke Lopez. Uh, this one's a little bit easier. Brooke Lopez is very old. He's 35, but he's coming off a season where he was like right there for Defensive Player of the Year. It's a two-year deal at $24 million a year. Is he deserving of that? Absolutely fantastic defensive player still. He stretches it. He He's ideally what you'd want to put next to Giannis. You're, you're keeping together the core. You're retaining Chris Middleton. It, it just makes it, – it's an easy move. And two years – I know he's an older player, but a two-year deal just at $48 million total is not that big. I, I really like this Brooke Lopez signing. I'm going to say – I, I would give this just a, a B plus where it's like – I guess the only reason it's not an A – and maybe this is an A deal where it's like it's, it's not crazy years – He's getting paid for our product. Yeah, I'm going to throw that. This is an A minus. This is a good deal. Brooke Lopez, every team wants him because there's just not a lot of seven footers that are fantastic at defending the rim that are pretty good stretch bigs. In the playoffs, you saw scoring volume go up when Giannis went down. He can still post up some. Like He's just a really good player. So I'm going A I'm talking myself into an A. I'm, I'm changing my, my spreadsheet right now. I'm going to say Brooke Lopez A. This was a very good deal. It, it it makes a lot of sense for Milwaukee to retain him, but to do it in the way they did on this two-year deal is valuable. So uh, after that, Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown was talked about a lot in the playoffs for good reason. Really good role player. He was on Denver. He is now on Indianapolis. He signs a two-year, $45 million deal. That's $22.5 million a year for Bruce Brown's services. I think the second year might have an option. I can't remember off the top of my head. But he's about to be 27, prime player. Really good role player. I know Indy is like... They're they're a few years into a rebuild, and I think here's the thing, actually, adding a veteran player like Bruce Brown, who is a good role player, I actually think helps speed up your rebuild because you obviously don't want to fill up your roster with tons of vets when you're, you're a rebuilding team, but you need like some level of stability, some level of production, because one of the hardest things about being a bad team is when you are in full rebuild mode, you just don't have like 10 NBA players on your team because you're just rotating out young players, seeing what guys have. And the problem is it's so hard to play competitive games because your second unit's on the court. And it's like, there are like three players that will not be in the NBA next year. And it just makes it hard to, it makes it hard to like play basketball games to win them. And like, I know skill development and finding players that have the right, you know, three point shooting, defensive numbers, analytics is important, but like you do need your young players to play in real basketball games. And when you're losing by 15 points every night, it's hard to build up some of those skills that are kind of the push and pull of difficult games. You could call that intangibles. You could call that, you know, building up mental tough, whatever, whatever you want to call that. It's, it's kind of a hard thing to, to kind of sum up in like a word or a phrase, but like you do need to play in competitive games. And Bruce Brown is going to help not only keep you in games, but help you probably win an additional few games. And I love that for Indianapolis. I actually think that makes a lot of sense. And I know you're going to have to overpay. Like Bruce Brown coming off a championship, whether he you know stays with Denver for less money or whatever just goes to another team, you're going to have to pay more because you're like, hey, we're Indy. We're not very good and we want your services. But I know if this is like partially a deal that has to do with like their cap space situation, but man, $22 million a year. I mean, I'm happy for Bruce Brown. Things are going well for him, man. <laughs> things are going very well for him the last few months. So, uh, you know, tip your cap to him. And I, I get that there is like, if I was talking to an indie person right now, if I had a guest on the show, they would talk about the cap ramifications and the cap situation 
that they have to allow them to bring in this player. But just looking at the numbers, don't love like it's just that's a crazy overpay. Uh, so I'm gonna give that deal a D. Where just if you're indie, did, I I understand there's a there's an explanation maybe, but it's just too much money. Uh, after that, rounding out the top ten, Jakob Pertl, center. He got he was on the Spurs, got traded to Toronto. Toronto retains him on a four year, eighty million dollar deal. Again, easy math, twenty million a year. Jakob Pertl is just like a good player, not that sexy. We don't talk about him a lot. He hasn't played on big market teams, but he's a very big guy that is. Pretty good at defending the rim. Solid defensive player on offense. He's a good offensive rebounder. He finishes around the basket well. He is not a sexy guy, but he's a pretty good player. And this was a good value where it's like you're paying him solid money, right? Like I talked about that. Remember those tiers, 40 million and up all NBA, 30 million and up hoping to get some all-star play 20 million and up just like good high end, you know, starter, uh, high end role player players. And he is that Jakob Pertl, good deal. Like it. He's about to be 28. So you're going to get 28, 29, 30, 31. Like that's about, this is a really good value deal. I, this is like a sneaky A minus deal where, again, not sexy. He's not going to average 25 points for you, but he is a really good player that is valuable because if you wanted to trade him for some reason, you could because the contract's solid. But he is the type of player where you can have a couple stars that make a ton of money around him and he doesn't hurt you like roster flexibility wise. It's also very straightforward. Like he is your center. He's not playing any other position. You now focus everything else on the other four spots and you have a really good defensive anchor. So you could take a, a star player in a trade or whatever that maybe isn't perfectly like on defense where this is a great deal is an a minus deal where it just. The numbers are like, yeah, uh-huh, this was good. <laughs> uh, after that, uh, actually, I'll recap the top 10 here because I feel like I need to recap more on my shows because, I, you know, I just start going and going, and it's like I've had like three quarters of a year of Mate, and it's just blah, 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 blah. So Fred Van Fleet, uh, D grade, just too much money, three years, 40, almost 43 million a year, too high. After that, Kyrie Irving, C deal, where great, only on three years for Dallas. I like that at about $42 million. The talent's there. It's it's the off-the-court stuff. It's the personality. We talked about it enough. After that, Chris Middleton, B deal. Ops out of a player option, three years, $34 million. Good player, aging out of his prime. It just makes sense for the team, makes sense for the player. After that, Jeremy Grant, five years at about $32 million a year. I don't have an issue with the money per year. I, I think it makes sense, especially... This free agent market, I, I get it. But the five years, what hurts me a little bit, I have that as a C-plus deal. I like the player, though. After that, Cam Johnson, four years at $27 million a year. I don't see the upside with him. I think he's a pretty good player. But like, would I have loved to see that at like $22 million a year, $23? I, I'm much more interested there. So I have that deal as a C. After that, Kyle Kuzma, it's, it's the exact same thing where it's like, they're similar positions, similar players. He's got a little more self-creation, a little worse shooting. C for that deal. He's 28, four years, 25 million a year. Where it's like, I would just, I get, I get why he got paid that much, but I would just like that a little lower. Just I, I, at 21 million a year, I'm, I'm less, I'm, I'm more interested. I'm less mad about. It. After that, Draymond Green, C plus, four years. 25 mil. I don't know if I changed my grade on this or not. Whatever. Uh, I just, the, the front end of the deal, I you got to do it, man. It's a B, C plus, B minus. 
Um, but after that, the, the last two years is going to be a little rough, going to be a little bit rough. Uh, after that, Brooke Lopez, uh, snuck this into the a, I think a minus I, <laughs> I, I, I should, should have wrote my notes down. Uh, Brooke Lopez has an a minus deal two years, 24 million. He's ideal as a center. He is old. He's going to be 35. He has had back surgery. It's a little concerning, but the production was so good last year. After that, Bruce Brown, D deal. Don't love that. Two years at $22.5 million a year. Just like crazy money. One of the one of the more surprising deals I've seen in recent years. And then Jakob Pertl, center on Toronto. Love it. Four years, $20 million a year. Just a really solid player. Give that deal a... Did I move that? Bump that up to an A? I can't remember. I think I want to bump that up to an A deal. Just a good, solid middle of the road deal like between like Jakob Pertl and Vooch I'd much rather have Jakob Pertl because it's like Vooch is like a pretty he got I, I don't think he was his free, he just got re-signed by the Bulls I don't know that was like before free agency started so like he got similar he got a little bit more money and I think it was the same year three-year deal I think he might be a little bit older and it's one of those things where it's like is he better at offense yes he can shoot the mid-range he can stretch it out to three but he's not nearly the same defensive player and it's one of those things where it's like if Vooch is your third best player because he's like got some offensive juice, is your team going anywhere? Really? I don't think so. But like Jakob Pertl, a little less money is your fourth best player, is your defensive anchor. Like it just makes more sense at the position. Uh, so that's a quick recap of the of the 10. I wishy-washy on my grades, but uh, you get the general idea. After that, Dylan Brooks, 11th most money per year. So Dylan Brooks, so famous in the news all the time. Really the takeaway here, really good wing stopper. Like legitly top 10, super good. On offense, can't throw it in the ocean. So how good is that player at age 27? I think I know. I think free agency disagreed with me. He goes to Houston, four years, 80 million, 20 mil a year. That's a big contract. That's a very large contract for a player that we just saw in the playoffs. It was like, it's difficult to keep him on the court. You can't be paying 20 mil plus to guys you can't keep on the court. You just can't do it, especially four years at Houston. They had a rough offseason. Houston had a rough offseason free agent-wise. Ah, man, I strongly disagree with what... I mean, I disagree with what they're doing on a lot of levels, but I'm not liking this. That's an F deal. That is a bad deal. Uh, After that, D'Angelo Russell. What I just said about Dylan Brooks, not being able to play players in the playoffs and giving them a lot of money. I don't love this. I am not a huge D'Angelo Russell fan. I feel like I've been very vocal on this podcast about it. However, he's 27. He does. This is the problem. Is the skill legit? Yes. Is the shooting good? Yes. He's like a two-level scorer. Doesn't get to the rim a lot. He's a very bad defender, but he can shoot the three. He can shoot the two. The shot making can get pretty nuts. He can get really hot. We saw like he had a really good regular season. The playoffs, not so much. Like there was some real, real tough times there. There were some times where he was just sitting on the bench, and then there was times on the court where he just wasn't being productive. So, I just said you don't want to be paying guys twenty million dollars a year that you're unsure if they're productive in the playoffs, right? So D'Angelo Russell got two years at about 18 and a half mil. So you're getting kind of close to that. I don't love this deal because I don't love the player, but in terms of the value on a two-year deal, I think it's a player option for the second year. This is just a really minimal risk deal because 
With two-year deals, you obviously sign a player because you're excited about them. The first year can go however it's going to go, whether it goes really well or really poorly. You're just in that year. And then after that, on a two-year deal, it's an expiring contract where like it has some inherent value in terms of trade because teams can get off bad money. Like you can either acquire picks, you can acquire maybe talent that isn't playing as well that's on a larger deal. Like it gives you flexibility and it gives you the options to do something. So I think he also has a player option so he could opt out if he plays really well, where it's one also another thing, the Lakers situation where it's like, they re-signed, they brought back the, the the team from the playoffs. They they re-signed Rui Hachimura. They re-signed Austin Reeves. Because of their cap situation, it was going to be really difficult to try to do anything else at point guard. So I get why they brought him back. I understand the talent. While I'm not a huge fan of him, I'm going to give this deal a C. Because again, it's just two years. It's not crazy. And then 18 million a year, like we're starting to get into, like these are just like, pretty good nba veteran players like these are just solid play like we're out of the 20 million range now where it's like you need that guy to be like a difference maker he's not a star but he is going to be a difference maker and now we're in the teens where it's like these are just like guys that are obviously nba like they're not going to be out of the league next year if you're making you're getting signed to like a deal where you're making like 16 million a year like you're a pretty good player so the d'angelo russell deal i'm gonna give a c it's you know i i've talked about it maybe i'm wrong maybe this this here's the thing there's upside on this deal because of the talent right like everything could go well this year he could you know shoot from three super well shoot like 41 percent, and then you know opt out and try to sign like a two or three year deal uh after that Rui Hachimura back-to-back Lakers Rui got a, a really nice deal three years 17 million for him he was traded to the Lakers mid-season and kind of just like a random like Kendrick Nunn and some second round picks for a guy that a lot of people weren't familiar with myself included and he's 25 huge really strong player pretty good mid-range he go just went off in the playoffs was fantastic scoring machine pretty solid team defender he offers you some defensive rebounding some size like there are things to like my concern with him is the three-point shooting because I don't know if I believe in that playoff run. It's a pretty small sample. And then historically just not been a great three-point shooter. But the money's not crazy. Three years at 17 mil a year. Probably a little more than I would have thought he was going to get. But I'm again, I don't hate this. I'm going to give this deal like a C, C minus where it's like the D'Angelo Russell and, and Rui deals where it's like, am I sure of these guys? No. But are we committing crazy money? No. So like, this this contract you can get out from under this like it's not crazy to let's just say things go really south D'Angelo Russell opts in Rui Hachimura plays you know really poorly next year like these are contracts you can get out from under they're not going to kill you let's say the opposite Rui plays really well and that playoff run was legit and you know like all the positives I talked about shine even more this is a good deal. Like this is, you're going to get surplus value on this. So like, I, I understand why these two deals were made for the Lakers. And then obviously, you know, it's, it's, it's this podcast. I'm a Laker fan. You're going to get more Laker coverage than, <laughs> than if I, I, there's a, there's a deeper knowledge than the other players. It's pretty evident when I talk about them because I would just watch them play more. Uh, after that, Karis LeVert at 14, he had well, former pacer. I believe he was on the Cavs last season, actually had a pretty good year. And gets retained by the Cavs two years at $16 million a year. And Karras is an interesting guy because like he has some self-generation to his game. He actually shot the three pretty well last year, too. Had never been super great at that, but then went to the Cavs where he was off ball a little more, playing around higher-end talent, and kind of slid into that 
third kind of creator and scorer role. The problem with him is like he's just never been a super efficient guy. So again, it's not crazy money at two years, 16 million, but the Cavs really need like shooting guard, small forwards that can score. They, they really need that. And I, I guess defend on some level because, because their team is built. They have Garland and they have Donovan Mitchell who are both tiny, but really good players. And then they have Mobley and Allen who are both big and really good players, but neither of them Mobley. I know we're all really excited about him. His offensive game just like has not taken off yet. I think it will. I think on like some level, everything's kind of a moot point until that happens because him and Jared Allen are great defensively, but Jared Allen's like a good role, offensive role, offensive rebounding, finishes plays, rolls well. Like he is a, a player that has a defined role on offense. And like it's not post up city, right? It's not face up and go to work. Mobley needs to become a good offensive player because you can't have two, like in the modern NBA, you can't have two NBA bigs that aren't great offensive players and neither can shoot. It's just going to be too hard to play offense. So it's it's kind of hard these these moves on the margins. I understand you get some extra creation for if you want to have a little bigger lineup, and, and the deal's just not crazy. I, I think this is like a C deal. Karis Levert remaining with Cavs. I just don't. It's hard to feel really strongly about this deal, no matter who you are. At two years, uh, sixty million dollar average. Moving on after that, Max Struess, another player that goes to Cleveland. He was on Miami. We've seen him in the playoffs. He is. An interesting player who like he's a kind of a three and D guy where that's pretty coveted. He got a four year deal, $63 million total. That's going to be about 16 mil a year. So him and Karis are going to be making like similar money where I was really surprised by the Struce getting the Struce gets loose sometimes. And that's a lot of fun. He doesn't get loose as much as you'd like, but the four years, I thought he was going to be an under the radar pickup that a team was going to get and get really good value on. Now, I said that before they went on their huge postseason run, and when you play well in the playoffs, you are going to get paid. So Struess going to Cleveland at four years, $16 million. They needed to add kind of a 3 and D, kind of like 2.5 player, like the shooting guard can play a little small forward. They, they need that on the team. And so I get that this was a need thing, but the four-year deal, that's a lot of money. I'm going to give this deal a D plus. Actually, I like Struess, but like four years at that money for a guy that, over his career has been a little shaky from three at points when like that's kind of his the key is a shooter that's that's i just wouldn't be comfortable committing that type of money to him after that herb jones i don't really know if this one should count basically herb jones opted out of or like the team just like was like you're just like a free agent now so we can like re-sign you to a longer term deal he got four years 56 mil it's about $14 million a year. Herb Jones is one of the premier young defensive players in the league. He's almost 25. Really good. Like what you want, that rangy, long, wing stopper, just really fantastic player. Like a all-defense type caliber player. Offensively, he looks to be bad. He looks to be a bad offensive player. And maybe he can figure it out, you know, with some cutting, with some timely shooting to just be not unguarded. But he's a good player. He's a young player, but you just got to know what he is. A fantastic defender. The physical tools are there. You, you, you've seen a little bit in the playing games in the playoffs where it's like he looks really legit. On offense, if he can just find a way to become solid, 
he could be a good player. I like him four years at about 14 mil. I'm not against that type of money. Like that, that money makes sense. That's a B deal for me. Like I, I like the deal, but just letting players know, or letting, players, letting people know the offense is a question mark where it's like, I don't, I don't know if this is ever going to happen. So there is a little bit of a ceiling there for him, but I just like the deal. as just a, a super good defender at $14 million a year at the, on the wing. I, I like it. Like if that's what you got for me, the Herb Jones and the, where is, where is he? He was Dylan Brooks, like Herb Jones and Dylan Brooks, I think are probably similar players where, Dylan Brooks, his like he's gonna have more stats because he does more with the ball. I don't really know if it's really any better, but at fourteen million dollars a year, really good, like really high end wing stopper, where it's like I- I'm cool with that. Like fourteen, fifteen million a year, sure. You'd bump it up to twenty mil, and it's like I, did, I this isn't a good idea. <laughs> this is gonna like be difficult to deal with in year three <laughs> when you're playing like two K in the off season and you're trying to like revamp your roster. You're like this is a bit of like a a boulder in the way that I can't move. It's a little too heavy. Uh, after that, Austin Reeves. He is seventeenth uh, on the list here in terms of just average money per year that he got in the off season. He was a restricted free agent. He's twenty five. He's on the Lakers. He got a four year deal. Uh, $56 million total, about $14 million per year. And I love this. I have an A-plus signing. This is the best signing of the offseason, I think. It was going to be difficult for another team to get him because the Lakers were just going to match it. But Reeves is a really good player. He's solid defensively. Uh, we've talked about this. Doesn't, doesn't create really any turnovers, but just in terms of guarding on the perimeter, solid player. On offense, really good pick-and-roll player. Super good mid-range shooter. I'm interested to see how that kind of peaks as he gets a little bit older, you know, 26, 27, and gets to the foul line a lot for the type of player he is. Hyper-efficient player. Like, this is the classic analytics guy on the analytics podcast likes the guy that puts the ball on the hoop at a really high rate. And it's not just catch-and-shoot threes in the corner because that's a lot of the times what those players are. Reeves is while he can shoot the three, he can play off ball well. Uh, there's there's some playmaking there. I think that could get better, but the the ability on ball, especially in pick and roll, to pull up and hit mid rangers and get to the free throw line, is crazy valuable. Crazy valuable. This is the best deal of the offseason. Again, four years, about fourteen mil a year. He's twenty five. The last year's a player option, and I'm like, he's definitely opting out and getting a bigger deal. Like a hundred percent. After that, Dennis Schroeder, point guard, formerly of the Lakers, heading to Toronto on a two-year, twelve million dollar deal, or sorry, twelve million per twenty-five total. It's just a good deal. Like he's a pretty good player. He is a pretty good perimeter defender. He is small, so there's issues with him like rotating and being in different spots on the court. But in just terms of like guarding his man, pretty darn good at that. He can score some. He can put some pressure on the defense with his speed, like super quick. If you've ever seen him, he's like maybe 170 pounds. He's really small, but he's like ultra quick. He's going to be 30 where it's like that quickness is probably going to start to go away a little bit, but it's a two-year deal, nothing crazy. And then Toronto needed to replace because Fred Van Fleet left. They needed to replace like a point guard that is like a solid NBA player. So uh, this deal for me is like a C plus where it's like I, I get the whole year filling in if you're Toronto. After that, Dante DiVincenzo, he was on Golden State last year. He goes to the New York Knicks on a four-year deal, $50 million total, where this was a surprising deal for me. Like, is Dante DiVincenzo a good player? Is there like a 3 and D element to his game? 
yeah, he's not like a great three-point shooter and he's not like a super defender, but like he's pretty good at both. He can handle the ball. He's a smart player. He makes a lot of good decisions. Actually, he just doesn't make a lot of bad decisions is like the best way I can describe him. He's a, a high IQ player. You like him on the court, especially like in crunch time. He is not a star by any means, but he is just makes solid good decisions. So I actually like him as a player, but four years at 12.5 million a year, that's a, like a really big investment for a guy that's going to be averaging like, I don't know, like seven points a game on the team. Whereas again, points aren't everything, pretty good defender, but I, I, I don't know why you would give a player like this, this much money uh or this many years where it's like the 12 million i'm not even really against that but it's like why'd you give him a four-year deal i don't really understand that so that deal for me is like a d plus deal if you're the knicks where it's like that that was a lot of commitment to a guy who's you know rock solid but like you don't normally i don't know it's just weird uh after that last uh contract we're doing here 20th contract kobe white he's a point guard restricted free agent Oh, I don't know if I said this. Dante is 26, so Dante DiVincenzo is not old. So the four years from that standpoint, it's not like you're getting an older player. But just it's a lot of commitment for a guy who's like really solid. Uh, after that, Kobe White, he was on Chicago, stays on Chicago at three years, $33 million, $11 million per year. And Kobe White was one of those guys where I think they wanted him to be like, a, like an on-ball guy early in his career, and he just like wasn't that good at it. And now he's moved to more of a stationary shooter role that handles the ball a little bit sometimes, but it's a pretty good shooter. And like he, he's one of those guys where you had kind of high hopes for him because there was flashes early on. And then after that, you were like, oh, maybe this like isn't exactly like great. Like this isn't going to work. And sometimes deciding to move that player to a different role can be difficult because you need other players to fill in that role that they're leaving. And you need the role that they're going to to be open. But then there also has to be a commitment from the team and commitment from the player. So like, it, there's a lot of things that need to happen. Seemed like that happened last year. And he is, he's like, obviously a guy with some talent when you watch him play. So I, I think this deal is pretty solid. I'm gonna give it a C plus where it's three years at $11 million a year, nothing crazy. And, you know, he's shown to be able to shoot the ball. There's uh, some ball handling background there. Obviously, used to have it a little bit more where it's like, okay, I'm kind of I'm I'm interested in like this is a deal that like potentially in a year or two could be a really good value deal. Like it might not work out and that happens with deals all the time. But in terms of just upside where it's like, oh, he really clicks. He really figures out who he is. He's 23 years old, right? At 24, 25, like where he's like, okay, this this is who I am as an NBA player. It's a really good three point shooter, yada, yada, yada on offense, like can create some. Like this could be a really good value deal for them. So I like that with the Bulls C plus there. Uh, after that, just one more I wanted to mention, uh, Gabe Vincent after that. I like that deal also C plus where it's it's a, the same deal as Kobe White, three years, 33 million. Where it's like Gabe Vincent's a pretty good player, pretty like solid in terms of like two-way value. He's like pretty good defensively on offense. He can give you something where he's 27. He uh, obviously made a deep run with Miami in the playoffs. He's heading over to the Lakers. I thought he was actually going to get more money. He got 11 mil a year. I thought he was going to be like 14 mil where it's like, I, this is like kind of a lot of money for a guy that doesn't have a ton of track record. But 
The Lakers, I thought, pretty got a pretty good deal on him. He's just the one extra guy I wanted to mention. There was other deals after this. I think I'll probably do another episode of my favorite and my least favorite deals of the offseason. I just kind of wanted to do a general go over most of the money that was moved in the offseason and give you a kind of just general ballpark feel for it. I didn't realize this episode's pretty long. <laughs> I guess I've been talking for a while. But that's going to wrap it up for grading the free agency so far. I guess if there's some other, there are a couple more like notable names. I'm interested to see where they go and the money they get. But most of like the cap has been used up now. This is another thing where like, I know there's pros and cons to waiting in free agency, but I think the biggest con is like teams are just going to use a lot of their cap space. So I'm interested, like a PJ Washington. I, I'm interested to see like a stretch for if he leaves, uh, if he goes somewhere else, I know he's a restricted free agent. Like, where will that be? Christian Wood is a guy every year people get really excited about. And, like, there is talent, but there's there's reasons he's still on the free agent market. Interested to see where he goes. Just stuff like that. So, that's going to wrap it up for grading uh, free agency so far. If you want to talk more about free agency, at Taylor Metrics on Twitter. Uh, let me know, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Basketball Index Podcast. <laughs>